Hi guys, welcome back to Black Looks Green on Me, still sponsored by no one. Remember, Black Looks Green on Me is not about money, it's about those things that do not appear as they seem, like a green screen, you know, how two things can be contradictory and true at the same time. The naked eye sees an illusion, but not what goes on behind the scenes. Today, we'll be talking about the land flowing with milk and honey, and the 10 biggest shocks we had coming to that land, the United States of America. In the Old Testament, when God spoke to Moses, first at the burning bush, he told him that he would redeem the Israelites and bring them to a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. He goes on to describe this promised land as a land flowing with milk and honey in the books of Exodus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, and Ezekiel. This poetic milk and honey description of Israel's promised land emphasizes the fertility of the soil and bounty that awaited the chosen people. The reference to milk suggests that many livestock could find pasture there, and honey suggests that vast farmland available, and of course, the bees had plenty of plants to draw nectar from. Don't worry, I am not going to preach, but I had to set the stage so that you understand where the title for this episode came from. In the New York Times article, streets aren't paved with gold, but there's plenty below. Sam Roberts writes, I came to New York because I heard the streets were paved with gold. When I got there, or when I got here, I learned three things. The streets are not paved with gold. They are not paved at all, and I was expected to pave them. This is very similar to the experience a lot of immigrants have coming to the US. Your perception of the United States gets smacked with brutal reality as you cross over, and then it's too late to go back because you've sacrificed everything to get to the US, and now you have to deal with it. For me, growing up in a port town in Nigeria, the United States of America, or Obodoyibo as we would call it, Obodoyibo translates to foreign land or more specifically, the land of the Caucasians, was literally heaven on earth. This was a place where you have electricity 24-7, the streets are paved with gold, there are only skyscrapers everywhere, the cars never rust, money practically grew on tree, and the people don't even shit, and if they did shit, their shits would be valuable, you can sell it. And of course, there were no poor people anywhere. So naturally, every single person back home where I grew up dreamt of coming to America, the land flowing with milk and honey, and just capture riches beyond your wildest dreams and live happily ever after. I've lived in the US now for over 15 years and I've met so many people who were doctors, lawyers, teachers, you name it, back home in Nigeria. And now in the US, there are janitors, cleaners, and now they're doing two or three or some even four jobs just to have a decent life. These are people who spent years and years and years in Nigeria planning for this once in a lifetime opportunity. They borrow money from everyone and anyone, sell anything and everything of value just to come to the US, only to learn that the hustle is just beginning and it's terribly expensive to be poor in the United States especially when you still have obligations back home. It quickly takes a toll on your physical and mental health. I do have to say that in the US, at least, there's a lot of opportunities, plenty, plenty, plenty of opportunities. And if you hustle and work really hard, you can have a good life. However, these opportunities are not easy to come by, at least not as easy as we thought coming here, honestly. But you work hard, like I said before, and eventually you have a good life in the US and maybe have something left over to send to the people who are back home. 
And of course, the exchange rate helps a lot. $1 today is about 350 Naira in my country. So every $3,000 I can save and send home is over 1 million Naira. And I can help a lot of people that way. And that's my goal. That's my American dream. Work my butt off and get to a place where I can start to help my people back home. Unfortunately, today they think I've come to America and forgotten about them, which is extremely hurtful, but I can understand because their perception is still that America is a land flowing with milk and honey. Little do they know that when we came to the United States, we plunged into an unfamiliar type of poverty, took so many years to dig out of, only to fall yet into massive debts and loans from college education and credit cards. And in the US, you can't beg or reason your way out of debt and bills. You have to go through the process. And sometimes that process takes 10, 20, or even 30 years but we never forgot. We still haven't forgotten where we came from. I mean, some days I don't even sleep because I'm trying to shrink the timeline that it's going to take for me to get over this hump so that I can start helping as quickly as possible. But they'll never understand. And I have to accept the fact because when I was on the other side, I didn't understand either. The United States was the land flowing with milk, honey, and opportunities. And there was nothing you can tell me to change that. Which means now, I am always lonely in my own world because I have an excellent job and an excellent career. On one hand, the Americans see you as someone who's doing so well and should be balling, not knowing that and never truly understanding that even at a young age, you have so many mouths to feed here in the US and back home. And on the other side, everyone back home is looking at you as someone who crossed over to the great beyond and your only role in life is to now capture as much as possible and just link it back home to them. Not knowing that once again, you are struggling and drowning in debt and responsibility on both sides. And the little you've managed to save it's going to people on your dad's side and the people on your mom's side of the family because everyone is struggling. So it's practically impossible to give everyone enough at the moment, but they would never see it that way. And I hope that some of you are starting to understand some of the burden that us immigrants have to carry, especially those immigrants that weren't rich to begin with. I'm not talking about those Nigerian princes and political offsprings that grew up wrapped in money from day one. No, I'm talking about the ones that grew up in the village where we grew up extremely poor had to sell everything to come here and then started with absolutely nothing and had to fight their way to where they are today. Those ones. That said, let's get into the 10 biggest shock we had coming to the United States in no particular order. Of course, there's a lot more than 10, but we're going to go with 10 for now. I may have to revisit this topic at some point or do a deeper dive when I have other guests that have similar experiences. Number one, language barrier. We learned English in school growing up in Nigeria, but when we got to the United States and moved to Baton Rouge, Louisiana, we couldn't understand a single word. We grew up believing that Americans spoke like this. And we got to Baton Rouge, it was more like, Abu Dang, boy, where you going, man? What's going on over here, man? So this one, I'm saying, I'm to me, man, with your boys, man, hand up, boy, you don't have your since y'all. I mean, it took a few years to adjust to some of those peculiar English that were spoken in different parts of the country. Number two, poor people. Never in a million years did we think there were actually poor people in the United States. I mean, we thought poor people were people who drove Toyota Camrys or Honda Accords. And then, of course, the rich ones drove Mercedes, Lamborghini, Bugatti. But then there were actually homeless people and poor people. That's insane. People back home wouldn't even believe there are people here who are poor and have absolutely nothing. Number three, roads. 
the day we discovered that the United States had potholes. That was the day our dreams shattered. We could not believe it. The roads were as bad as roads in Nigeria. And we started to ask the driver if we were still in some part of Africa. Maybe Liberia? But it was just crazy to think. Because growing up back home, the United States had perfect roads, you know. And some of these roads were paved with gold. And it's so clean. And it glistens. Number four, jobs. We were under the impression that once you got to the U.S., you get a house, jobs, cars, and as much money as you can possibly need. Mom couldn't even find a job for so long, and Dad was a, a full-time pastor, so we were pretty much doomed. And when you do find a job, it's probably the undesirable jobs that most people would rather not do. And no matter how many degrees you had back home in Nigeria, you're pretty much going to have to start over when you come to the U.S., or else... You won't have a decent job. You're going to end up doing two or three jobs just to live a decent life that you used to live back in Nigeria. So that was quite a shock for us. Number five, returns in customer service. So in the U.S., you can buy food, eat some of it, say you don't like it, and you don't have to pay for it. Jesus. <laughs> or you can go to the mall, buy clothes, wear it once or twice, return it, and get your money back. My goodness, back home, you go shopping and touch something. Oh, you're already paying for it that day. Simple. In fact, you try to return it, and the entire shop has already relocated. <laughs> and number six, friendliness. Americans overshared everything. In Africa, people wouldn't even tell you their age. Let me rephrase, in Nigeria, not Africa, sorry. Let alone give you enough information to know anything about them. You overshare back home, and you have armed robbers waiting for you that night. So no one shares anything. We didn't even find out our parents' ages until we were applying to be U.S. citizens in 2005. But here, you say hello to an American and they'll sing their entire history. You know everything about them, their past, their present, and their future. You press a little more and you have access to their social security information, bank account pin, and codes, and even codes to their safe and everything about their whole family. It's incredible. Number seven, free. The word free. Back home, nothing was free. No one did or gave anything for free. Barely. You have to attend a wedding or one of those special occasions just to get free food. Here, there's free food, free t-shirts, free this, free that, free us, free you, free me, everything. It was just any event, all events. My goodness, we collected so much free junk the first few years, it became ridiculous. And my mom became a hoarder. And now I'm still trying to get her to stop being a hoarder. <laughs> she wants to send everything back to Africa. Anyways. Number eight, pets. Oh boy. Now this may be a sensitive one since some people, a lot of people in the US see their pets as people. We definitely did not. Those people that had pets back home understood that when push came to shove, they eat first. And if things got bad enough, oh, they're eating that pet. <laughs> and you flip that and you come to the US and you learn that you can look at a pet the wrong way and go to jail. So I stopped, I don't touch pets. I don't even see pets. When I see pets, I go the other way because, man, it's crazy. It's crazy. Number nine, paper towel. What? You clean your counter with such rags and then you throw it away? Oh, no, 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 no. The only paper we threw away back home were toilet paper. And we didn't even flush them down the toilet. The ones we used back home were so brisk that they could cut your ass. Good. And you know they could definitely clog your toilet. So mom would wet them up a bit before we used them. Then we'd collect them in a bin and burn them outside. 
when we got to the United States, for almost a year, mom did not even dispose of any paper towel unless they've gone through enough usage. We'd use them, wash them, and hang them to dry for the next number 10 washcloth what in the world is a washcloth we use sponges to sponge the crap out of our skin until you're almost bleeding that's when you know you've gotten clean enough that's when you know that you are super super clean i remember using a washcloth for the first time in the u.s and i felt so dirty afterwards only a good scrub with a sponge gives me that feeling of clean even today when i use a washcloth i still feel a little bit you know unsatisfied i don't know why but anyways sponges for me does a magic trick washcloth uh, I use them, but don't love them. Anyways, I'm gonna do two more just for the hell of it. Number 11, the metric system. Today, I still struggle with the US not being part of the metric system. And I had to learn mass in pounds and distance in miles and volume in gallons and then ounce and then temperature in Fahrenheit. Just very difficult for my intuition, but I'm still trying to get there. Even today, I still, I still, I still struggle. Last but not least, snow, all the weather. Growing up, we had just two seasons, rainy season and dry season. And in my area, it was always hot. Even during the rainy season, the rain was hot. It got maybe a tiny bit cold, and we called it Hamatan. But even then, it's like lower 70s. That was it. And then you came to the United States, and you get snow? What in the world is snow? We left Nigeria February 20. 20. February 20, 2002. It was hot when we left. And then we landed in Chicago. And we almost died. My dad was like, oh, no, no, no. My family is dying here. I will take them back at once. Seriously, it was cold. Jackets? What was that? We were wearing our African outfits. We walked outside and we literally almost froze. Our body could not handle the shock of being in a new country, experiencing the new weather. It was crazy. We saw snow falling from the sky and we thought this country was a fridge and we were inside the freezer. It, it was wild. But anyways, that's all I have in terms of my list. And don't forget, as an immigrant, you're dealing with all of these cautious shocks, along with all the other symptoms of cautious shocks. And these symptoms generally include sadness, loneliness, melancholy, preoccupation with health, aches, pains, allergies, insomnia or excessive sleep, changes in moods, depression, feeling vulnerable, anger, irritability, resentment, loss of identity, lack of confidence, obsessions, overcleanliness, longing for family, Feelings of being lost or overlooked. I mean, it's insane. It literally sounds like side effects from taking a medicine. That's what happens to you when you're new to a country. So next time you see an immigrant, please, please be nice to them. Give them a physical or verbal hug. They're going through so much more than you can possibly understand beyond dealing with immigration laws and the more established challenges that immigrants have to face daily. And if you are an immigrant who have been here longer than someone else, Help encourage them. You've been there before. You understand what they're going through. Help them out. Let's start to help each other so that maybe one day, soon enough, the entire world can be that land flowing with milk and honey. And we can all live happily ever after. Thank you for listening. And remember, black looks green on me and you. Join us next time and just let us know how we did with this episode. And we'll continue to improve as we grow and learn together forever forward.
Clones the Big Lord. Big Lord.